Why with Arcia Tecun. Great to have uh, Mana Yose here from Lost Eden and a bunch of other places. I'll let you introduce yourself and then we'll do some background. Hi everyone, I'm Moana. Um, I'm an artist based in Salt Lake City. I run an indigenous Western American art gallery. Um, I also am one of the founders of Pacifica First Fridays, um, which is a program that's been in production since 2018 here in Salt Lake City, basically dedicated to Pacific Islanders gathering every first Friday. Um, yeah, and I also consult on um, indigenous and art policy, which is kind of a weird intersection. But um, yeah, so I consult for the Western States Arts Federation, um, which is the Western Regional Arts Organization for the 13 Western states and three Pacific jurisdictions. And then more recently, I'm the senior policy advisor for the National Endowment for Humanities um, for their Pacific Initiative. And you're on the board of many many boards. Many boards. (laughs) Many boards. I'm actually going to rotate off. But many boards. Um, I'm on the board for the Tracy Aviary Nature, Jordan River Nature Center in Salt Lake City. And then um, the aviary is located at Liberty Park. And ZAP. And ZAP, sorry. And then I'm the chair for the Zoo Arts and Parks Program, which is um, a tax, a citizen tax here in Salt Lake County that goes to 22 organizations and three zoological um, organizations. So... It's, um, it's a tax mandate um, for the citizens located in Salt Lake County that go to directly to our arts and parks programs. Big things all the time. <laughs> Love it. So a little background, like with Moana, I arrived in Aotearoa early 2015, and Moana had just left... I believe. When did you leave? Like December 2014. 14. It was yeah. like just right, right. leaving as I'm arriving. <laughs> and uh, one of the things that Mona catalyzed there at the at that time, it was Te Wananga or Tomoki Makoto, now mm-hmm. Waipapa Tomotoro, or University of Auckland, was you were coming from Harvard, yeah? And yep. you had done like a year study abroad Yep. at um, University of Auckland uh, from Harvard and catalyzed the I2M Auckland and so I was, I landed into that. And I remember watching all these things, and I was like, I heard one that was like, oh, that sounds like a North American accent. Who, who's this? And then, so that was my first, like, you know, meeting the, the famous Mona through the digital uh, realm that she left right. behind. And just kind of challenging questions and stuff around. You want to talk a little bit about that? Just a little bit. Cause just I, a little bit. For me, that was my my like entry to you and then later we had these other connections yes too. for sure uh so i studied abroad from 2014 for semester one and two and i to him auckland actually came from professor um yeah. david maeda yeah um who's a sociologist at, at the time he was a sociology professor and uh, my semester one was amazing um i it was my first time to auckland and i was just like just taken aback with like this is the potential of Pacific people is to like be in this big city and it was just like overwhelming. But like the undertone is like, this is an amazing Pacific city and like we pride ourselves on Maori and indigenous learning, but like underneath it all is like this like racism with a smile. (laughs) Which, you know, I was like, I thought I escaped Boston racism and then I just like land into this whole new like version of it. That's like very, it had like a very specific flavor Um, because for the first time I was part of a demographic that was indigenous but foreign was the majority labor force there and so yeah and then um, going through Auckland Uni you know coming from because I would say 
Auckland Uni is an elite university, but coming from the U.S. to there and then seeing how Polynesian and Pacific people were being treated was shocking. And so I found this group through Professor Maeda. Um, and then we conducted all these interviews across like all of these different uh, like majors, schools, graduate levels. And so it was just like very glaringly clear like how racist the institution is and like water is wet but like when you're in it you know like it's just um I don't think the level of consciousness was to a point of uh, open discussion with administrators and so without administrators knowing this group of Pacific and Maori students um got together and we interviewed other students and it was like it was heartbreaking you know to see like these kids coming from all these different regions and areas within New Zealand and like being the pride of their people in different ways, you know, to see these communities send their young, young and brightest to this institution and the way that they're being treated on a daily basis. And, you know, like coming from an institution like Harvard, who's been doing it the longest or has a lot, had a lot of practice with, with institutionalizing indigenous folks. Yeah, it was just like this conversation that just wouldn't let up. And so we went to a bunch of marais as well to engage with like Maori students. And it was just like disheartening to see like just the amazing things these students were doing, but then also having to deal with like this bullshit that they didn't have to deal with on a daily, you know? Yeah, and then I encountered a lot of, uh, I would say like interesting, but not new um, because I was foreign, but looked local. And then like also like being, having an American accent, that was jarring too, to see the difference in how I was treated comparable to Pacific students who were next, sitting next to me in class, you know? And so we did this and released it and it went all the way up to like the biggest news. Like, mind you, I had just left. Like we edited it. Like I told all the students like, yeah, no, literally I was like, yo, good luck with the final edits. It looks amazing. Cause like we all got to see like the preview before it actually hit. And so I was like, that's amazing. And like, um, this actually came from, there was a movement at Harvard called I2M Harvard. Um, and it was it was primarily led by um, black student organizations and uh, black student leaders, but um, really inspired by Langston Hughes, I too and poem like um, and just like the movement um, with uh, black folks and just like civil rights movements. And so <clears throat> it was inspired and borrowed from that movement, which really sparked a huge conversation at Harvard about how black students are treated on campus. And so um yeah, and then we dropped it. I, I really thought, and you might have to ask the other students that are part of the project, but I thought it was like, cool, we get to, like, to sit down with the vice chancellor and like talk about this or like maybe this opens a conversation. But I didn't expect it to like catch fire as it did. And then like, yeah, still people still ask me about that, that shit. And I'm just like, that's hilarious because trying to be conscious of self and place and like not intrude, but I didn't realize it would blow up. But I think it blew up because it's so relevant yeah, and absolutely. prevalent across, like, it wasn't just Auckland Uni, you know, yeah. it was just, like, there were so many people who felt, um, you know, and, like, I think it also calls to, like, you know, the historic racism that happened with, like, the Dawn Raids. Yeah. That was something I learned on campus, and that just, I was so livid, just to know that, like, people were being displaced and in such a violent and, like, inhumane way, like waking people up at dawn to rip them from their families. Like, 
if that's not racism, what is, you know? Um, so yeah, so it was, it was kind of, it was wild. Um, I still consider Professor Mayas a homie because he put a lot on the line for us students to like have that space. So I think that is part of the narrative too, is like, not only do you need student advocacy, but you also need like, you also need folks in positions of power to like sustain those advocates, you know? And I think if we didn't have that professor who was just like, you know, writing on it and like, you know, supporting us, like he was the one that like carved out the time, reserved the rooms. And like with that, I just saw like how much when people do relent power, like what can come of it? Because he just like, let us run amok. But yeah, so it was it was fun. I don't think it was fun for the admins at the time. I don't think the leader at the time of the Pacific Studies, he was not very happy with me after, but it was fine. It was good. Like, um, I, I mean, direct or indirect, it had a huge impact. And Did it? Okay. I, I think so. Okay. I mean, for me, it definitely, I, I didn't realize, and then later I ended up getting into projects with uh, trying to deal with the same kind of issues, and so that was a really important, I think, I mean, for me, I had just landed and it was there and it was like, oh, there's this conversation happening and it's different. And it was, it helped me navigate being there too because I feel like coming from here, I felt like, man, this is like indigenous paradise, right? And it took me a while to realize, oh man, same problems, same disparities. <laughs> yeah, just different, like, different yeah, flavors, like, different and flavors. it is different. Like there's some stuff there that's amazing compared to here, like in terms of indigeneity sure. at, at a large societal level. But then, yeah, in terms of like race, power, all that was just, it helped me navigate that. And I, I Again, I'm not saying this is directly like linked to it, but I can't help but think that it's part of the the whole picture of the changes that happened. But I remember arriving, and one of the things that made me excited was that I saw Tereo Maori like all in all the buildings, which I was like, man, I never seen indigenous languages here. And just and, then, and over there it was there, but it was in small print underneath the English. That being said, right before we moved back, what seven months ago now, uh, or around that. Uh, it shifted, and now everything was renamed, and it's all Tereo Maori in big print, and yes. English with small print underneath. I love and it's it. just these little things like that, that maybe some folks said take it for granted, but for me, coming from other places, I'm like, that's a massive symbolic shift, and there's a lot you can do with that. We're here, we're just fighting to get indigenous place names even yeah. out there. And so I think about that as just one symbolic thing of the shift that I saw, and I think definitely I2 and Malcolm was a big catalyst, student-led, and support with you know folks like David Maeda and others. I think helps stir things up in a good way. Mm -hmm. So that was just kind of yeah, <laughs> thinking about that. Fun times, fun oh, times. Oh man, good stuff. So then, and then we had other links too, like you know Harvard connections and with other community folks that we we're linked to here. So mm -hmm. you're, you want to talk a little about your background, like where your stomping grounds are, mm -hmm. you know? And for sure, for sure. Um, so I'm from the south side of Salt Lake, um, the very, very south tip, um, which is Sandy. So for folks that don't know, Utah or Salt Lake County goes Sandy, Murray, South Salt Lake what's the next one um and i think then you're in salt lake proper yeah. or salt lake city yeah and so we're the southernmost uh city um one of the, the first i would say polynesians to move into the neighborhood which is predominantly white um we were raised on the east side which is considered closer to the mountains yeah and so grew up there i'm one of five and i feel like uh we came here my experience is that uh my first experience of the states was las vegas because we came up and we moved with our grandparents and then um, ended up in Salt Lake City. I would say growing up here was really hard for me. Um, just the transition from where we were before was challenging, but then it was also very challenging to grow up in a space that's like very hegemonic and not feeling really part of that 
bigger narrative or the bigger group. Um, so it was, it was really challenging, and um, I found high school to be, like, terrible. I just didn't fit in. I think, like, on a surface level fit in, but, like, just couldn't find, could never find, like, my people or, like, feel like I found um, place, if that makes sense. And then grew up with uh, five siblings and or four siblings. There's five of us. But, yeah, all experiencing these challenges, but I don't think we were at a maturity level to, like, really lean into each other and share struggles that we were all similarly experiencing but couldn't name. I grew up, went to a local high school on the east side, um, Go Hawks. Uh, so I went to Altai, <laughs> which was like 90% white. Yeah, and then ended up get, uh, moving back east to Boston, which was a culture shock. And I thought it was like going to be this like, I don't know. I don't know what I expected, but it was definitely not what I had experienced when I got there. But it kind of seemed like an escape for me. Like, finally, like, I'm going to find uh, my people. But um, it ended up being a really challenging time um, out there just because of the culture shock. And then, like, also, and I think a lot of Indigenous uh, students can attest to this. It's just, like, it's so foreign out there. I, the reason I ended up in Auckland was because I went there the first two years, took a break, uh, couldn't handle it, was about to get kicked out of my program. Um, did AmeriCorps Vista for two years, went back, really struggled because <laughs> now I'm not the same age as everyone, but also like this real life view of like, we're literally sitting in this ivory tower and this, these are like real life issues that are um, affecting like most, if not all people of color, um, uh, poor folks. And so it was really hard to like want to stay in school when I had this like real life experience. Um, and then because I couldn't chop it the second time. <laughs> um, I ended up uh, petitioning my dean to then go to the University of Auckland because they couldn't teach me Samoan language, which thankfully now, because of a lot of student advocacy, indigenous languages are now identified at Harvard, went to Auckland Uni, then came back and finished my last senior semester. And then after that, worked in an indigenous center for like four years and then came back home. Uh, this little thing happened in 2020 that kind of affected everyone's life, but um, yeah. so moved back and in a way as we're starting to emerge I'm starting to learn my city again because when I came back nothing was open or like we did for like a couple months I think it was end of 2019 beginning of 2020 but I wasn't really out and engaging in the city um, as much and then didn't have the choice once COVID hit and so I think I didn't start going out to the end of 2021 beginning of 2022 so yeah so it gave me a lot of time to like think and ponder which is sometimes dangerous um, if I'm left alone for too long. <laughs> and that's why I serve on all these boards. <laughs> I do all these things because I can't sit still. But yeah, so, um, and then uh, with that, I knew it was weird. I think like I felt with the pandemic when we were like three months in, I was like, is this the end of the world? And if this is the end of the world, what would I want to do? And that's like when I really took the plunge to like return back to an artist um, pathway because um, if it were up to me and I could do it all over again, starting from like graduating high school, would have gone to art school or just jumped in right into art. But you you know how that goes with yeah. <laughs> yeah. obligations and duties and like, yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, I don't regret it because I feel like I, I am now the adult I wish I would like mm. aspire to be. Maybe not the pathway I would have chosen, but I'm like now, I don't know. We were talking about it earlier, like a rebirth almost. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just like relearning 
and just trying to reclaim these mountains sans the experiences as a young as an adolescent and young adult because yeah I, I realized there was a lot of things that um I couldn't put the words or didn't have the language for but now returning as an adult I'm like oh that's what it was and that's, yeah. that's where the discomfort um settled you know yeah yeah for many years and finally we're in person right and you know face literally face. i walked in i you was know, like, like <laughs> you know and so um but i've you know it's been a challenge for me to be home like i'm happy to be home you know where i grew up my stomping grounds but it's a it's really difficult because i feel like now i'm a foreigner it's like you mentioned like i'm a foreigner but i look like a local yeah and it's like here i'm a local but i feel <laughs> like a foreigner yeah. and it's like well, where did that shift what happen? Is, and, yeah. like, and trying to re-relate to this place that I grew up in because I'm I've changed so much over the years living in other places and happy to come back, but also frustrated to be back. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And I feel like you're someone who is just so much bigger than a lot of the things around you because you're 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 in it. You're in the the local setting, but you're also thinking beyond our current moment in time and space. And I think that's why, I like to think that's why we get along. One of the many reasons. Game recognition. Yeah, why game. you, why, yeah, there you go. Like what, what are the, some of the struggles of being back and what are the, some of the things that are good about being back for you? Especially thinking about arts, indigenous arts, and as a, you know, Samoan woman too. Yeah, I think, um, so at this big old age, I think the challenge for me was like, you know, we had such a huge Polynesian community, I would say, but like, was I engaged in a, like a deep level? Maybe not just because of location, but I also realized like, um, oh man, it's like, it's challenging because in many different spaces, there was always something that pulled at me. Like there's gotta be better. Like there's, there has to be something better than what this is currently at or like, um, we deserve better, you know, like, or things like, um, that just like, I don't know. I just, it never really sat well with me. And, um, I think, um, Utah in general is really hard place for women to thrive. Um, just the uh, full stop, really hard for women to thrive. Um, then on top of that, if you're a woman who is, um, outspoken, who is very like opinionated or has like a different sense of place and self that doesn't necessarily uh, fit into like a main narrative. It's hard. And I, I don't think people like purposely ostracize you, but it's like people can't handle you. So they just like, they don't know what to do with you. And so, yeah, it's just like, it's really hard. And I think what's been hard for me moving back is like, when I left, the language that I couldn't put together and didn't have as much knowledge around was like, 
how much women were women were and are treated as second class citizens here. It may not be as overt as maybe some conservative, uber conservative communities um, where you can see that physically or you can see it like um, implemented on like sweeping laws. But um, yeah, it was just this this continuous feeling of displacement because just women aren't respected. We're not. Let me just also say that it's not unique to Utah, but Utah has a very specific flavor. And so a lot of the work and the, a lot of the inspiration that has come with my art is this idea of like our biggest problem as a society is because we haven't restored women's roles within all of our leadership, within our homes. It's a very um, patriarchal, patriarchal view of how women should be serving in, in our roles. And I feel like, you know, as indigenous folks, we've known since time immemorial, like women play a very important role. We're giver of bloodlines, we birth, like we create, we do all these things. And I just feel like here it's hard in Utah because we're so underutilized in a sense of like, how can we engage community? Um, how um, we devalue or value women depending on the children production and how they can care for the home and how we disregard that as labor. So I think it's like this, this balance that I'm trying to strike, you know, and like my, the way that I show up, um, my frustrations with a very hegemonic community such as Salt Lake. Um, but it's weird. Cause like I have these conversations with my friends and I'm like, am I in an abusive relationship? Cause I love the shit out of this place. But it does not love me back the way, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm like, you know, you're just like, I want to love you so hard. Um, but sometimes it is hard to be like proud of being from this place uh, because of those narratives that take control. But I think in this new, this new age or this, this, the second round is really what was important to me is like really instilling in these kids, like sans all these issues that we have, we're a really dope place to live. Um, and to be grateful for like all the things. Cause like I can sit here and go over all the lists of like complaints I have of living here, you know? And like, with that being said, like, why don't you just get the fuck out? But at the same time, it's like, yeah, you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And like, I think that's what Salt Lake is. Like, I love it for everything that it's been and everything it's taught me. Um, yeah, things aren't perfect, but, um, uh, I think it's like progress over perfection, you know? Um, and I think that is why it's been so hard for my transition back home was because I had been gone for nearly 10 years and the progression didn't seem nearly enough for that amount of time being gone, you know? Um, but there is, you know, there are bright spots and there's like really dope people I've been able to like connect with. Um, yeah, but then like we talk about it a lot of my art critiques, a lot of things that are normalized here. And so I'm always in between of like, do I feel safe enough to release this work here? Um, do I feel, um, yeah. And just like this idea of like, will people retaliate? Will people disengage? Will people, you know what I mean? So it's just like one of those things that I feel like, and this is my own opinion um, as an indigenous artist, if you can't show your work to your own people, then you have no business showing it outside. Like, not saying that people have to agree with it and not saying that people have to, like, love it. But if your work is inspired by the people, places, and products that you call home and your work engages with that and you can't show it at home, I think that might be a conflicting comment. But 
I don't think you have any business. And so that's like where my heart work is coming is like feeling comfort comfortable enough and confident enough in like where I stand and where and what I'm wanting to say to then be able to like branch out and feel like I can connect and like really tell this story truthfully. And that's been like a challenge too. We were just talking about, I think with like in Hawaiian perspective, how they talk about like, there's your, your duty and your responsibility and there's like your work. And so sometimes those lines kind of blur for us mm. who work in indigenous spaces to be like, this is, where is my duty and my role? And then like, what is like my actual work, you know? Um, and so, yeah, it's just been, it's been a lot. And I do have to say that I'm like going to therapy for it. <laughs> 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 like that's how much it's mind fucked me. Like being here is like, yeah, I've had to like really think about um, place and like, also sacrifice there's a lot of things that I'm proud of being here but like it does come with a lot of sacrifice and like just trying to balance out what that is you know um and I think I've told you this before but it's like sometimes it feels foreign to be like there's so many other communities who would take me (laughs) you know what I mean and that's where I go by I'm like is this an abusive relationship (laughs) like being like knowing your worth you know and like going outside but like yeah so I go back and forth but I'm like really proud of the work wherever I end up. I'm just really proud of the work um, that I've been doing because the one thing I did promise myself when coming back was to work for the 18 year old me and like what would she need, what would she want? And like, I think the major thing for that 18 year old me was like having the space, you know, to like be a nerd or to like, to be, you know, um, to be your individual self without having the pressures or like the judgment and I think that's really hard here which I am going to identify I do have some privilege in that because I know that a lot of folks were raised in a certain and particular way because of religious uh, dedication and I didn't have those pressures so I think uh you know like I I just like I consider it a privilege now in the sense that like I don't have to grapple with that and to me at least a lot of these new age or like these up and coming kids that's a that's a tension that i'm like i don't think i had to like yeah hold is basically yeah how have you been adjusting (laughs) i think being back i think i would agree with all just about everything you said for you, my therapy is drinking a lot of kava and talamroa. <laughs> I am down for that therapy. If my if if insurance could carry if the insurance could cover kava, I'd be like a weekly. Yeah. yeah. No, it's good because it is. It's just being able to process. And like you said, it's just like, oh, this is still where the public consciousness is at. Yeah. This is still where the community stuff is at. I was like, I guess one of the things that I, I think of what you're sharing it reminds me of had a mate. Uh, we shared the cubicle space in my first year at Auckland Uni. Um, Gerardo Reagan, uh, really, you know, brilliant Maori rock art archaeologist specialist. And I remember one time he was telling me something along the lines of, you know, especially when you're in, in, in spaces outside of community, like how some people end up liking that because they like to be tokenized or they like being the one like that, that knows and being turned to. But he was just like, man, this is like, it's no good because it's like your, your stuff doesn't get better. And it's like, I'd rather be somewhere where you can throw on the gum boots and let's get messy and dirty and let's do it, right? Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that's what I, I'm, that's why I like our conversations because we can have those hard conversations 
we can be critical of even our own because we we come from a place of like we love hard but we also ain't gonna pull any punches yep. with that relationship mm -hmm. of place and community or communities in plural and I think that's what's hard is not having a more robust range of conversations in where we can challenge what we're you know instead of fighting for what people had in other places for you know mm -hmm. ages now it's yeah. like we can push for something else yep like it just feels like we're always going to be behind in that way and i think if we're always playing that game then we're always going to be behind mm -hmm. and i feel like one of the things that i admire about like and i don't know how you're going to take it but like i would say you're an important leader mover and shaker for sure and artist you've taken on that kind of leadership responsibility with that next generation of 18-year-olds and yeah. early 20-year-olds and, you know, the things that we don't like, I feel like you're you're creating these hubs of where it, it can be something else. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And because you're not allowing to be restrained and you're kind of raising a middle finger to the deficit views that people have of themselves or mm -hmm. of others, you're like, no, I'm going to do something else. And, like, for me, that's what I see in Lost Eden mm -hmm. and the, the gallery space that you've created there but also the artists that you've brought on board. Yeah, they're dope. So I don't know if you might talk a little bit about yeah, Lost Eden. And yeah, I can, yeah, I'll definitely talk about Lost Eden. So Lost Eden was inspired, as I referenced earlier, I grew up on the south side of Salt Lake. Um, Lost Eden was inspired by the street I grew up on. And something that may not have communicated this to like the broader audience, but um, was really settled on the name Lost Eden because a lot of who I am was built in that house on that street and so whether it was inside the house influence there or outside in other ways trying to find um, spaces um, it was very formative for me and so for a way in a way for the gallery I was trying to create a place where we could have um, this openness and like earlier what you had referenced to is like my what, what I take issue with these main narratives and kind of like this hegemonic community is like I think we're we can't get to a space like that because we've been told who we are for the entirety of our existence, right? So like I think Salt Lake um from our generation is this idea of like you couldn't really be outside these these like very defined lanes um which then I think does a disservice to folks to envision something bigger than yourself because you've been told this whole time that like this is the box you play in this is the box that like um you're allowed to be you know and so with lost eden it really was this thread that it just like i wanted to do this one thing and just realize like i couldn't do the one thing because of all these layers and so it kind of looked like um i compare it to like you know, when you, like, see, like, a thread off of someone's clothing and you, like, go to pull it and you think, like, oh, it's just going to, like, come off. But it just, like, keeps pulling. And so, like, that thread that kept pulling was this idea of, like, you know, Lost Eden was built for Indigenous, like, for Indigenous, by Indigenous, essentially. Um, and, like, uh, that string just kept pulling of, like, why don't we control our own artwork? Why don't we, like have our own archives why don't we why don't we have all these things and so it goes back to that like I don't know just the I think some elders would call it fiapoco but the idea of just being like why you know why is it done this way and so uh that led into this idea of like building this both digital and physical space where folks could like for indigenous artists and I want to be very clear like how Lost Eden defines indigenous as like 
the western region so it's like the 13 western states starting from colorado to alaska including hawaii and then three pacific jurisdictions which are um the mariana islands uh guam guahan and then um tutuila american samoa so uh the idea of that was i think a lot of people think we're a local gallery but like the work that we represent and have represented in capacity has been international in the sense that like the Western region of the United States is so important to the global conversation, yet we have the most diverse and most indigenous communities living within that region. And so I think it was like just a, an attempt to be like, we're still here, we're still creating, we will continue to create and we'll still continue to tell our stories. Um, and with that was such a blessing that came out of it was um, the space is, was physically located at the gateway downtown which is like uh, a historical area of Salt Lake City. But um, the blessing that came out of that were the five artists, um, artists that have come through the space, of course, but there are these five young students and like, it was very intentional. Um, I mean, not to get into any like employment, <laughs> like legalities, but like, I was very, um, I was very staunch on the fact that like all the students had to be native or like, the students had to have some native tie to place here um, for this to work. And like, I can tell you about every single student that came through the space, but like how it unfolded was very indigenous. Like the way I searched high and low for these kids and like um, the space attracted them. Some of them just kept coming and like just really talented kids. And what's so crazy is like these five students who are just like, they're all from the West side which I could not have planned out any better. But like the thing about the students is that they have ties here. They're proud to be here. And it's this idea of like this, this new age, like how do we get these younger folks to be engaged? And I, um, so that gallery has been a mix of like artistic practice and growth, but also like the admin side, which I hate and I think they hate <laughs> as well. But like I take these fools to board meetings I take these fools to like anything that like I'm engaged with just for the mere fact of like as um, BIPOC artists, like, I want them to experience like these are the positions and the, the, the rooms that these decisions get made in. And like, you know, we don't have critical race theory conversations on purpose, but they come out just because of observations. So it's like, it also challenges the idea of like community doesn't know what they want. It's like they do, they just don't have the terminology you want them to put it in. and so. They have been phenomenal in this space. Just like the engagement, they've elevated the space and like how we formulate things. And so four of them are native from this region, um, Native American. One is indigenous from Mexico and she has ties. And so, but it's crazy because like, if we really think about Utah's history, she's from this, <laughs> she's from Utah. You know what I mean? Like I know people think like across the border, but it's like, no this all used to be part of Mexico, or at least in a sense, this region, this Southwest region, in a sense of a very transient group, you know, they used to come and go. And then a lot of the border stuff froze those relations. And so, yeah, so I'm just really proud of the fact that these kids are 100% local, 100% dedicated to their community. And like, they don't know any other way. And that's what I love about them is like, it comes out in their art and their storytelling. And it's funny because they're now like known as like this little pack. <laughs> and like, not that they're my artists. I hate when people say they're like, oh, your art. I'm like, no, 
I just like it's an organic uh, sense of like I guess in a formal way like a coalition or like advocacy group but they've been they've been phenomenal um, I'm obsessed with them <laughs> just because like they're so young and like so sure of themselves yeah. and I just wish I could have I was sure of myself at 18 but like not not as confident as these folks are but it's been amazing and they come and do work here at the nature center which you and your staff have been amazing <laughs> at like cultivating you know because I feel like I can only engage with them and like give them stuff to read but I didn't know how to like structure their learning and like their workflow around that but you know I think what's been the most exciting is like they now see a viable pathway through art which like a lot of us are told just to exit you know as soon as possible because there's nothing to be made from that but you guys have showed them ways and like how to engage with art and nature you know and like art and sense of place and like caretaking but yeah it's been a, it's been a journey though I do have to say that I haven't slept as much <laughs> it's, it's been a hard it's been hard and I don't know you've you're set you're seven eight months in yeah I feel like I haven't slept since I've been back but <laughs> I don't encourage I it, it. I, I <laughs> that's I what I say I, I don't it. encourage it yes 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 things no I think that's that's one of the things that was really incredible to see that for me that gave me I feel like I know I'm coming home but Altenua is also home for me now after living there for almost a decade too and it's just like it made me feel home when I connected with you and the artists because I was like that consciousness of like it feels like home yeah yeah like you bringing in that global indigeneity but then that fierce locality you know you got Nooch and Ute and Navajo, Diné, you know, Cherokee, all these folks yeah. that have these ties. And then the West Side, too, I was just like, man, there was just, for me, I was like, man, just having that consciousness and you doing that, facilitating that, and getting these people to be attracted to Coming. the space that you created, right? You made the space and they, they showed up. Yeah, and they continue to show up, which I'm so grateful for, because, yeah, they're just like these dope little human beings. Which I was like, is this what parents feel like? Is that what you guys feel like? I was like, I don't know. I don't have kids. But I was yeah. like, look at them. Look at them being whole ass humans. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been incredible. Do you foresee yourself staying here long term? I'm curious. I think that's the mindset coming back. Mm-hmm. But I'm just open, I guess. <laughs> we'll see. You're like, I'm taking it. Yes. We'll no, see. I feel like, like, I think the plan was, yeah, come, coming back to to be able to serve in the community that you come out of and but then also like dealing with the tension of being frustrated but I'm thinking outside of this place and I'm coming back because I'm from this place and trying to do something here but it's also like it's that friction of like being rejected for different reasons I don't have the same gendered stuff that mm-hmm. that you face but thinking bigger mm-hmm. than here and being willing to like be critical of stuff that people have made sacred mm-hmm. and I'm like well what made it that in the first place and I think that's why yeah. I've been vibing a lot with arts and the artists as well even though I'm a low bar for artistry <laughs> but I like to engage with so folks different. because the um, 
like the rules, you know, like when you're in that creative realm and you're being a creative, you have to tap into something of like, well, you realize that th all things are. And so you can question. And if you're not in that realm and you inherit, you're just following the doctrine, if you will, of the idea and not realizing, wait a minute, it was created and constructed at some point in time. Yeah. Why can't we do something now? Why can't yeah. we create something else? You're just going through motions at this yeah. point, like, and copying. And that's where I feel like I had a conversation with some dan uh, dancers, some other artists, and they were talking about how, like, you know, there's a lot of essence of certain dances that get lost because people are just copying yeah. versus, like, the reason you do this move is because of this. And so, like, not saying that everything needs a rhyme and a reason, but, like, um, it, I think it makes for better and more enriched communities if there's, like, some critical thought around how we are experiencing things as a community um uh and i don't want to say deficits but like um i think in a community that's so tight-knit as salt lake county or just utah as, as in general i understand that we're privileged in certain ways like not experiencing what other communities have to go through like bigger cities but um i wish we would be more critical around our current state of being like is this something is the way in which we live our lives is this how we want to does this fulfill everyone's like and honor everyone's like identities um what they're trying to contribute and i know that's like really wide net to cast but um yeah i think like it's sad to me i think and i don't know if you can speak to this as well but like it's sad to me that i'm at this point in my life with this connection here and finally feeling at home yeah. you know what i mean and it's just like damn if i'm going through this like how do these young folks feel you yeah. know and then you have to think on top of that like not to only focus on the youth but like what about like our elders you know who have to to who have this conflict or have to come to these like conversations and so i feel like there's this intergenerational um conversation that i think is happening but it's like how do we accelerate it i guess mm. um to get to a place where you know, everyone feels welcomed, everyone feels like, because um, for me, it's like the ownership of it. If someone is proud of where they're from, they own where they're from, you know, like, and then with ownership and not the sense, not the colonial way of like, this is mine, but ownership in the sense of like, I'm proud to be there, I'm from, you know, like things like that. Um, like, and I'm sure there's like a ton of research that I can't name now, but like, it shows when youth are proud of where they're from, they own it and then there's more there's they lean more towards taking care of that space and like that's expressed in different ways we see it in a sense of like how do you feel like this neighborhood is yours um therefore you feel like a stakeholder therefore you feel like you have some type of say in what happens around you and so like to me again it's just taking that sovereignty of like um the inherent right to self-govern you know yeah. And I think that goes across any, like all cities across the U.S., right? We're having that issue of like, how do you self-govern with such tensions and culture wars? But I think here, Utah's so unique. Um, and, you know, yeah, I feel, I call it a difficult love because I love it, but it has had its, <laughs> it's had its rounds, you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, you just yeah. come back and you're like, yeah. So, um but yeah, I just I would be curious to know how you feel. Yeah. That. <laughs>
like difficult no love. comment Man, no comment no, <laughs> no I, I think difficult love is a good word for it trying to imagine something else and doing something else knowing that it's probably not going to be appreciated um in its current form yeah in its current form or even in this current moment I don't know maybe not even ever but that it needs to happen Mm -hmm. even if it's for this at least for me like even if it's simply for showing that there's something else that could be right yeah and I and I think the thing that keeps resonating that with what you're sharing too is like I think that one of those struggles that's hard is that wanting to be very deeply grounded Right, and in relation with that local indigenous legacy, with that local like working class West Side community roots that I've got, but at the same time, being part of a bigger world, mm-hmm. and and also being mobile, and mm-hmm. like I think when you mentioned that that privilege of like not being restrained by some of the dominant ideas and structures culturally that exist here, mm-hmm. I think that's that's a, it, you know that's that's big because I think for me. I had to work out of that in many ways, right? Mm. Like I had to find liberation by being willing to question and move in and out and um, embrace that autonomy that you talk about, right? Like to assert autonomy or self-determination, that self-governing that you speak of, you know, like as human beings Mm -hmm. in relation to other human beings. And here's just, it's so simplified. Yeah. Right? It's like, oh, we talked about it earlier, like, oh, you, you... People hear somehow, like, if you you have a disagreement, then it's like, I don't like you. It's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, it's just like, no, we can disagree, and I can still like you as a human, you know? And I think, yeah, I haven't found that. Um, It's sad that that's a rare quality here, like, to disagree. But I feel like the challenging just elevates people, you know? Mm. Like, I would like people to challenge me on some, like, wherever I stand, because then it, like as a person like on a personal note when people are willing to challenge you it only it'll only strengthen your stance meaning like i actually know what i'm talking about or it opens doors to like okay because the thing that i think people forget is like when you're so staunch in your views like i think it would give yourself more lateral movement not saying to abandon beliefs but it's this idea of like being open to the possibility of being wrong. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because then at least it's like, okay, I I really believe in this thing, but if I have it wrong, I'm willing to learn. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like that last step of like willing to learn, um, I always have to check myself. But like sometimes I haven't found that, and it's not unique to Salt Lake, but like um, some people are just unwilling yeah. to be willing to like learn and like, yeah, engage in those things. Mm. And sometimes I, I wish... Um, and this is the artist, me speaking, there could be such amazing art being created out of these tensions, but oh, yeah. there's, it's squashed, Yeah. you know? And so I'm just like, that's where art, that's what I love about art is like art sits in this liminal space that you can't capture, you know? And so like you can have really, really tough discussions, um, through an art piece, through a performance and all this stuff. But like, you know, I think it's just the general, um, it's the... It's sad to say, but it's more of a national problem of, like, arts are viewed as a nice-to-have and not, like, a central core necessity to the humanities, to, you know? And so for us, it's, like, um, all our... All these people who have the tools and the talent 
to bring those things um, into the light or into fruition, um, you know, we're struggling. We don't even get like, like talk about inhumane treatment, you know, artists don't in this. Yeah. I mean, like, it's just a general narrative that um, if you choose to be artists, you're going to be struggling. And that's, I don't think that is an old trope, but like just the way our system is set up doesn't allow for that. Yeah. I think, I don't know. It's just, it's hard for us. It's hard out here <laughs> for artists, but yeah, but I believe. Um, At the same time, you're doing it, which is great. Yeah, right? And We're in the mix, like, man. Yeah, <laughs> Getting lost in the sauce. Yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah. Right on. I'm looking at the time, I was like, oh, I thought I was going to get you out of here. Because I, I know your time is precious, and I appreciate you sharing Stay it with us. Stay with yours. Thank you so much. Kia ora. Look out for more of Lost Eden and Moana. Yeah, we'll do this again. <laughs>